It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. I apologize. Uh, we're here. This is Word of Fire. I'm Brother Calvin, and we're about to get this thing started. Word of Fire. Today we're going to be dealing with the book of Psalms, chapter 1. And the question that was sent out to a lot of you was, are you a Psalm, chapter 1, Christian? So before we get into that, we just want to pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, Minister to us, teach us, instruct us, direct us, order our footsteps by you, our footsteps by you. For God, you said a good man's steps are ordered by the Lord, and he delighted in all his going. So we just want to open it up with some worship song real quick, and then we're going to go right into the word. Amen? Let's listen to Israel, and let's hear what he deals with. The song is Alpha and Omega. Praise God. Oh, one more time, all of us do it. Be brave, be brave. 
Hallelujah. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, God, for everything that you've done, teaching us your word, showing us the way to walk, educating us for what we need to do in this hour. We thank you for the opportunity that you blessed us with to come on the Internet radio to speak of you, to talk about you, God, not to gossip, not to slander, not to criticize, but we use this Internet radio to build men and women, Lord, save or unsaved in the name of Jesus. You said if you be lifted up, you would draw men unto yourself. God, draw people to yourself, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, we bind the spirit of envy, strife, contention, backbiting, slander, discord, envy. God, move by your spirit. Add the spirit of love, peace, joy, strength. In the name of Jesus, we cast down imagination and every high thing that he thought that itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Tear down strongholds, bring in every wonder of mind. In the name of Jesus, God, move by your spirit. You be the boss. Take over this Bible study, this text that we're talking about, you, that we might magnify your name, God. In the name of Jesus, teach your people, God. Bless their generation, their offspring. In the name of Jesus, prosper every home, every household, Lord. Continue to instruct us in the ways of the Lord, God. And, Lord, we be careful always to give you all the praise, the glory, and honor. God, we thank you for those who are on the air listening. We thank you for those who want to tune in, God. Have your way and just continue to teach us, God. Make us better because we are in competition with ourselves, not with no one else but in ourselves, Lord. We're fighting to be closer to you, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and we give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome back again, my friend. This day, it is Word of Fire Radio. Yesterday, we were dealing with church radio, but today, this day is Word of Fire Radio. I am your host, uh, Brother Calvin, and so we're going to go into the Word. The day, and it's an honor always to come before you. I do not take it lightly when I teach the people of God or share, because it's not about me. I said it before, and I will always say it. It's not about so much of being in a pool pit, but it's about building up God's people. God's people is the most important people in the world. And sometimes we forget that when we move into leadership, that it's about God's people. And there's many ways to serve God's people. There's many ways. There's no one way of serving God's people. Some people say, well, if you feed them and you do all this, that is one of the attributes you can do in serving God's people. You can serve God's people just by teaching them. You can serve God's people by feeding them, by bathing them, by visiting them, by listening to them. That's right. I said it. You can serve God's people by listening to them, just by giving them your time. Because a lot of times we don't got time for nobody, but we always got time to make another dollar. God knows we'll make time to make money, but we don't have time for people. Money come and go, but people are eternal beings. They are something. God loved earth. He loved people so much that he died for people. He didn't die for money, but we esteem money higher than people. He died for people, folks. God loves people. Always remember that. So when you put down another person and you criticize someone else, remember, you're putting down somebody that's made in the image of God. They got flaws. 
and you got flaws too. Ain't none of us perfect. We haven't arrived. So when you judge one man, you judging the law. The Bible said, and if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law. So we can't judge each other, y'all. That's like all of us having white robes on, and we some of us got dirt on it, some of us got wrinkle on it, some of us got smear on it. Everybody robe is dirty, but we looking at one person robe and saying, well, at least mine ain't got the wrinkle on it, well, at least mine ain't got the dirt on it. So we looking at each other robe, and everybody got spots and wrinkles on their robe, and we criticizing each other about who wrinkle or dirt is the worst on the robe. That's what it's like when we criticize each other. So I, I just want to, again, I want to encourage you. I want to really move you to want to read your Bible. That is my goal. Uh, I love doing this. I've been doing this for many years. Sometimes people think that uh, you're just coming up by night, but what they don't realize, when I said I've been doing this for many years, not internet radio, I've always loved and enjoyed talking about God. That's all. That's all. I've been doing it since I was 17 years old. So I'm not going to stop now because people start complaining and trying to accuse you of thinking you something. People, I realize some folks are just jealous of you. Amen. You got to know that people are jealous. When folks are jealous of you, they look for any spot, wrinkle, smear just to criticize you. They wait on you. And soon as they see a weakness, they use that to criticize you. That's when people are jealous on you. But you can't worry about your haters and those who are jealous of you. You got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because God have a work to do in you in your day. Did you hear what I tell you? God have a work to do in you in your day. We're going to be reading from the book of Psalm chapter 1. It's a very interesting chapter. I just want to remind everybody, if you want to say something, please just push star 8. If you're on here already, just push star 8, and you can join in. And my friend Will, Will on, Will, can he will, Will, Brother Will, will unmute you so that you can talk. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're going to be dealing with the book of Psalms. Psalm is an awesome book. It is a book that many people have wrote psalms off of. They've written songs out of the book of Psalms. They've preached out of the book of Psalms. They've sung out of the book of Psalms. They became edified and strengthened. The book of Psalms is a book that David wrote. But not only David, with other individuals that wrote in there too. Moses had some psalms in here. But the book of Psalms is one of the most powerful books that you can read. It edifies you, it teaches you, it instructs you. It is a book of worship, a book of praise, a book of adoration. Now, there's a difference between worship, praise, and adoration. Worship, Jesus said, for the true believers must worship God in spirit and in truth. Worship is when you're just worshiping God. But the only way to really worship God is in spirit and in truth. Praise, praise. Everybody say praise. Now, praise is more radical. That's when you get the dump dancing, the stomping. And, you know, we as people of colors and Latino people, we like to praise. We like to stomp our feet, move around. And, I mean, you're getting a workout. I'm telling you, we're we getting it in. 
We like the, the Indians from over on the east side of the world. They like to get their praise in too. So it's more radical. Adoration is when you're giving God back his word. When you worship, you're giving God back his word. Not that he needs you to do that, but when you're saying God's word to him and, and your hands is lifting up, you're giving God all the adoration. So Psalm is that book that goes into, it moves you into the presence of God as you begin to read it and pray from it. It begins to move you steadily into God's Shekinah glory, if you will. It starts off by telling you what a blessed man is, and it ends in Psalm 150 by saying, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. It starts off by telling you, get the word in you first. But the last chapter tells you, Praise the Lord, and it tells you how to praise him. When you've gotten the word in your spirit, and when you endured hardness as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, throughout all the Bible, it gives you instruction on what to do in the book of Psalms. But when you get to the last chapter, it ends on praise him, and it begins to tell you with all the type of instrument you can praise him with. And then at the end, it said, listen, let everything that has breath, Praise ye the Lord. A robot can't praise God, folks. I'm telling you. You realize the trees can praise God because they wave their hand and worship God. The tree. Remember Jesus talked to the tree? He said, no man will eat from you from henceforth. That tree is alive. Have you ever heard that talking to your plant, help your plant? I have a plant right here in my window, and I talk to the plant sometimes. It's good for the plant when you talk. Those things are living things, plants. Plants, isn't that amazing? Plants. And then it talks about the ocean, claps his hand and praise God. The ocean, isn't that something? The Bible said in the book of Job, God commanded the sea and the ocean not to come no further. It got to wait. Because it knows when God talks, it can't move neither. So the ocean is a living thing. Isn't that amazing? The birds sing and praise God. It gets up early in the morning. Listen, long as you know that everything that got breath is praising God. One person told me a story about, I think it was about the rooster and the sun. Hey, listen, when the sun would come up, the rooster would crow. But the rooster thought, he thought that the sun was coming up for him. But the sun, we understand that the world's, been around, not that the sun is coming up because it's never going down, but the earth is spinning, and as the earth spins, it looks like the sun goes down and it rises back up. Folks, we serve an awesome God. I'm telling you, this is why there's nothing in this world to get the big head over. If you get education, that's a blessing. You ain't got to get big headed. You got education. Okay, rather it be knowledge, it's going to vanish away. You ain't taking it into heaven. That's nothing in heaven. Degrees don't mean a hill of a beans in heaven. It's nothing. The gold down here don't mean nothing in heaven. The money down here doesn't mean nothing in heaven. Listen, let me tell you something. Everything God did is first class. The cars, you won't need that in heaven. You'll be moving faster than light itself. You don't need a car in heaven. So what is it to boast about in this life that makes you feel as though you're better than somebody else? You're not better than nobody else. You may have a bigger head than somebody else, but you're not better. You just got a big head. It doesn't matter how much money you got, what type of car you drive, where you live at, how many houses you own. 
that don't mean nothing, folks. Believe me, God and the angels are not impressed. Those are like a piece of toy that you can buy from a dollar store and you throw it away within six months or a year. It's nothing in God's kingdom. But when we talk about the word of God, you see, God's word is his bond. He can't break his word. I had a friend that used to always say, my word is my bond. Your word is not your bond, brother. Only God's word is his bond. See, because God said, before my word returned back to me, bored, heaven and earth will fade away. That ain't happening with us. Okay? We can't have a word that we cannot, if we don't keep our word, heaven and earth will pass away. That doesn't happen for us. Now, I do know in the book of Samuel, the Bible says, the Lord, and I quote this, the Lord did not allow Samuel's words to fall to the ground. God held Samuel's words up. Not Samuel. God did. So if you have your Bible today, we're going to deal with a topic here about the blessed man. Now, if you follow along with me, we're going to go into some, some things here that I think that would be very helpful to you, that would be a blessing to you. I hope that you have your pen to pad. We're going to hit it and quit it and go right into the word. God is so good. He's our shield. He is our fortress. He's our very present help, present help in a time of need. He has never failed us. He would never fail you. And there are seasons and times when you go through things in your life, God begins to develop your character. And as he develops your character, you got to grow with God because God is a God of growth. Everything that God touches, it grows. If it doesn't grow, something is wrong with it. Now, I'm not talking about money because some people measure up your growth by money. There is a difference between money being prospered and having the spirit of prosper when God prospers everything you do. Because whatever God put inside you, it will grow. If it's ministry, it will grow. If it's wisdom, it will grow. If it's a praise, it will grow. If it's knowledge, it will grow. If it's a heart for soul winning, it will grow. That's what God means when he said, in everything, whatsoever he do, it shall prosper. Because there's a lot of times people can make a lot of money, but they're out of place with God. You may see them in church and seem like they got everything they need, but their spirit is defiled and they got to get it right. So man's life consists not in the abundance of things that he possesses. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1. Listen to what it says. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Stop right there. That word counsel. It's very important. Many times we overlook that word. When you get somebody who counsels you, you got to be very careful who counsels you. Listen, the Bible says, He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You cannot walk in the counsel of the ungodly. When people are ungodly, they may be things they may have a knowledge of, when it comes to the world of business, they may be shrewd in those areas of knowing certain things. But when it comes to godly counseling, you can't go to them for godly counseling. They're not going to give you the best counseling. You want to go to somebody who's filled with the Holy Ghost, who love God, who want to give you godly counsel. Many times, a lot of saints have made that mistake. They open up to people who was ungodly. They took counsel from them pertaining to spiritual things. I'm talking about spiritual things now. 
Now, if you want to learn about the stock Jones, Dow Jones of the stock and the 401K, then you would go to someone who is a professional in that area because you're talking about Dow Jones, you're talking about your 401K or what you can invest your money into. Or if you want to buy into the real estate, you will find those who God has given ability to know about real estate. Uh, they don't have to be saved. They don't have to speak in tongues. But they understand the world of real estate. You go to those people. But when it comes to godly counseling, you don't ask your mother or your brothers or your sisters and them who are not saved when it comes to godly counseling. And this is, beloved, where a lot of saints make their mistakes. When the Bible says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, you know your relative is ungodly. You don't got to, if you got a problem in your marriage, you better not go to your brothers and sisters who are not saved or your mother and your father who is not saved and ask them about some godly counseling. They'll mess your marriage up and they'll look at you and then they'll talk about you. She had a good man. She done messed that all up. He had a good woman. Now he done messed his woman all up. He all messed up, lost his wife. Listen, you can even your kids. You better go to God. One thing that makes me for certain, if I see that people' life is not in alliance with the Word of God, even though I know they know the Word of God, I'm not going to you for no counseling. Godly counseling? Oh no, I don't give you my kids. No, you're not counseling me. Your life ain't in the right place. What are you going to counsel me about? That's not going to happen. So when it comes to my, even if it's anybody in my in my family, if, if it now sometimes let me say this for the record, even though people may not be in the right place for God, that doesn't stop that the wisdom they may know about certain things. But sometimes people can give people bad advice based off of their own experience they had. Point in case, if you had a bad relationship and you're married and you got a divorce. Now somebody else is coming up with a problem in their marriage. That's not the same person that that other individual married, but they may give you advice upon what they did with their marriage that got a divorce, and this not be your situation may be may, may not be a situation when you need to go to the place of a divorce. You may need some advice, but because of who you asking it from, listen, you got a lot of people out here. They don't have companion, and they messed up. They need to be delivered before they go into any relationship. Here are a lot of men who are messed up. They need to be delivered before they go into any relationship. And a lot of times they want people to think, oh, it's the wife that you give it to me, Lord. Oh, it's my husband. But some people on both sides, male and female, they already was messed up before they got married. This didn't start with the marriage. The marriage is what's manifesting it more. They was already jacked up. They had issues since they was a little child. But the people don't see that. They just see a marriage and they think, oh, you got to make that work. This person was already messed up. So you got to understand that there are situations in our lives that we can't go to everybody about for counseling, whether if it's marriage or if you are a single person, you can't go to everybody for um counseling when you are saying, you got to go to wise people. Go to people who have wisdom and let wisdom talk to you. So blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners. He's not standing around sinners all the time. 
Now, you live in a world that you got a fellowship and you're going to interact with people. And you're not trying to think that you're self-righteous. I'm not talking about a Pharisee, Pharisaical uh, type of self-righteousness that the point that you don't want to speak to nobody because they're not a Christian. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you always hanging around ungodly people, standing around sinners. You keep standing around sinners long enough, you're going to be a sinner. Because what they do, they don't have no conscience, godly conscience of what they're doing. So it's easy for them to sin. Eventually, they're going to pull you right back out there with them. You're going to be standing around them drinking a 40. You're going to be standing around them sucking on a blunt. You're going to be standing around them snorting the good old white angel dust right on up in your nose. And it won't be long before you start talking like them, acting like them. Your character is going to change. You don't even know it, but everybody that's saying come around you, they be like, Man, she acting like she's ungodly. The men be like, boy, acting like he's just like one of the boys from the street. Listen, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that also shall he reap. If you sow to your flesh, you shall of your flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. You can't walk on both sides of the fence. You got to make up your mind whose side you want to be on. I know we're living in a time now where everybody just mixing everything in together. But being saved and loving God and walking in the in the world, too, it's like oil and water. It don't mix. There's a separation. You can't mix them together. If you try, you can shake the bottle up, put both of it in the bottle all you want to, it's still going to separate itself. It, it's not the same. Uh, you hearing what I'm saying? And then this is the part, when you come to where the rubbers meet the road in chapter 1 of Psalm, it's telling you from the start of this book, you can't stand, you can't walk, you can't sit. Let's deal with sitting. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scorpion. A scorpion is someone who mocks God. They mock you too. They mock God, they don't care about God. When they hear you talk about God, they're coming to jump right down your throat and attack you. That's a scorpion. You got to understand what you're dealing with. That spirit is real. It don't want to reason with you. You can't compromise with it. The only thing it want to do is cut your head off. It hates you. Nor sit up in the seat of the scorpion. This my boy. If this is your boy or this my girlfriend, we've been girlfriends since we were kids. And listen, it's only a matter of time you're going to be just like your girlfriend. And she like to be with Every time Dick and Harry, you're going to be the same way like her and still trying to call on the name of the Lord. If your boys like to sleep with Sinene, Mary, and Tanya, you're going to be just like him, calling on the name of the Lord. And that stuff the Bible says a devil-minded. That's what it calls people like that. they devil-minded. And the Bible said a devil-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The first thing. Psalm chapter 1 tells us to do is, in other words, let me break it down to you what it's saying. Touch not, taste not, handle not. Slash, come out from among them and be separated, said the Lord. He's pulling you out from them. There's got to be a separation. David is talking about a man who can walk with everybody. David understood this. He was away from Israel because he was running from Saul, 
but yet and still he knew he couldn't take counseling from everybody. He couldn't stand around everybody, and he definitely couldn't sit around everybody. Even though David had to go live among the Philistines, he didn't let the Philistine ways get inside of him. He still loved the Lord, and he would live in strongholds. So you got to look at who's this coming from. This is coming from David, the king. God, God loved David. This is why God could say he was a man after my own heart. He longed to go back to Jerusalem. He longed to be back among the priests. He wanted to be there, but because of his condition with Saul trying to kill him, he had to move and live among the Philistines. Because the Bible said, David said, I would eventually die or perish at the hand of Saul. So he had to get away from Saul because Saul was trying to kill him. Saul foreknew and thought that this boy would be the next king. He wanted him dead. And let me say that it's a sad thing when someone who is your mentor or someone that sees you and see that God got a calling on you and bring you up want to cut your throat. That's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. And it's something that is it's disturbing because your purpose has nothing to do with nobody but God. Anything that God put on a man, he calls that man to the forefront. When God said come forth, the man must come forth. But God is doing it. You couldn't on your best day put yourself in a position that God don't want you to be in. This is why it's dangerous when we start blocking each other from doing ministry. It becomes deadly because you're not fighting against that individual no more. You're fighting against God. And if you're in a place to move people forward, move them forward. Don't ever stop people from doing what God is calling them to do. You may not like them, and this is a key thing. Hear me. You may not like that person, but if God got his hand on their life, shut your mouth and leave it alone. That's the best thing you can do. Or you can keep trying to come at them and attack them and bring curses on your life. Oh, you got to be careful not to bring a curse on your life. When you're trying to stop something that God is raising up, God told Peter, what I have cleansed, don't you call unclean. Verse 2, but his delight is in the laws of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. It's not saying he read day and night, but he meditate day and night. When you meditate on something, you think about it. If you was in the sports, one of the things you could do if you was playing football, you'd watch the videotapes over and over. You're meditating on the plays or whatever. Meditation is to think deep upon, to think on it constantly. Meditating in the laws of God. Uh, there's a difference between the commandments and the law. The commandment is the tenth commandment, and then it went down to two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, your neighbor as yourself. The laws of God is the word of God, the whole shebang. Those are the laws of God. So it says in his law does he meditate in the daytime and the nighttime. He's meditating on it. He's thinking on it. Now, when the word of God begins to go through your mind and in your spirit, it's supposed to cleanse you. You don't use the word as a sword and cut people up and come after them. Some people like to use the word to attack other people. That's their thing. They use the word and they 
beating somebody else with a baseball bat. You know what that's like? That's like being in a foxhole. And we're fighting against somebody that's from overseas or uh, enemy. We all got guns. And while I'm shooting at the enemy, you turn your 45 on me or your M16 on me, and you start shooting me. You forget that I'm not your enemy. The enemy is the one that's shooting at us. Now, the military call that friendly fire. Friendly fire. When you shoot on your own man, ain't nothing friendly about that to me. Because if I'm fighting against demons and I'm fighting against devils, I don't need you beating me up and stabbing me all in my back while I'm fighting against the enemy. I need you to be praying for me. But some people, they got a ministry. Their ministry is tear him down, tear him apart, rip him all up. And when you do that, you are sowing discord. Matter of fact, let's go into Proverbs chapter 6. Let's go into that. This is a learning lesson that we can all learn. The book of Proverbs, chapter 6, I just want to show you some things right here. I hope it will be helpful to all of us here because we need to, we just need to read it. Sometimes I, I just, I shake my head when I see what people do and what I hear them say. It just shake my head because I say to myself, God, help us. We're not growing. We're wasting time fighting against another Christian criticizing another Christian, that's not what you're put here for. You're here to glorify God. You're here to magnify his name. You're here to win souls. You're not here to criticize anybody else. Verse 16, Proverbs 6, 16. These 16 do the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue. You ever been around a liar? While the person talking, the Lord tell you they're lying. I mean, they're talking. They're running off their mouth, and the God said that, that's not what happened. They're lying. A lying tongue, hands that are swift to shed innocent blood. Quick to shed innocent, not just blood, shed blood, innocent blood. People who ain't had nothing to do with it, just want to hurt somebody, anybody. A heart that devises wicked, that devises wicked imagination. Always thinking something wicked about somebody. Nothing good. That verse that says, finally, my brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if they be any virtue, if they be any praise, think on these. They ain't thinking about that. They thinking about a way to tear you down, tear them down. That's, I got the, the, some people got the calling of destroying people. That's their calling. <laughs> I've got a calling. My calling is destroy the next individual. And it said, innocent blood, a heart that divides the wicked imagination, feet that be swift to run into mischief. Mischief. And listen, a false witness that speaks lie. This person is supposed to be a witness to something that happened, but they are a false witness about something. And they only speak lies. Three, six, and ten. Action news. What do they call them? Eyewitness. Action news. If you're not an eyewitness, they don't want to talk to you. Lord have mercy. If the saints forget that mentality, a lot of gossiping will stop. But you know what I heard? Well, who told you that? Somebody else. Did you talk to her and she told you that? No, but I heard that from the. 
did you talk to him and he told you? No, but I heard. No, 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 no. I, I don't. It's hard for me to grab a hold of something that somebody tells me about someone and I didn't see it. I, I'm just not that immature and a babe in Christ to the point that you can bring me any information and I don't discern if this is coming from God. It's called gossiping, y'all. Y'all know what it's called. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. How do you sow discord? By what you say, by the way you act towards that person, and what you even might even text, or what you put up on your Facebook about people. Listen, I refuse to waste my time to text negative things about people. I'm not doing it. I refuse to get on Facebook and slander somebody else. That's I'm wasting my time. That's a waste. That is the dumbest thing I ever heard of. You spending money to pay for a phone to criticize another thing? What kind of mess is that? God have mercy on us. We 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 gotta go before the Lord about this. When the devil tells you to take certain things like that, get out of that mode. I can't do that. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pure. Whatever things are honest, those are the things you want to text about. You don't tear people down. Listen. And he should be, I'm back to Psalms chapter 1, verse 3. If you do this thing, listen, let me go up to verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in your brother's season, no, in your sister's season, no, in your husband's season, no, in your wife's season, no, in his season, in your friend's season, no. Everybody got a season, y'all. And the thing you got to look at, don't you ever look at a Christian and come to the conclusion that it's sin in their life because they don't have money and cars. Folks, let me tell you something. If I start saying names of people who ain't living nothing, but they got everything their heart can desire, things do not validate that God is with you. We read about the church of Laodicea. Laodicea, the rich church, got it all going on. God told that church they was poor, blind, naked, and miserable. But yet he tells the church of Myrna, I know that you're poor, but you are rich. Not only are you poor, but the devil's going to cause many of you to be put in jail. He's going to take your life. Wait a minute, God, time out. You mean to tell me I'm going to be born poor, and then the devil's going to put me in jail? Of tribulation, and then you telling me be faithful to die? My whole life has been miserable. It seemed like I'm not going to have the promise of Abraham. Listen, y'all. Rightly divide the word. Everybody ain't going to have the blessing of Abraham. I know we all want it, and you're supposed to want to have the blessing of Abraham. But if you don't get it, you better still serve the Lord. You keep on serving God with everything in your spirit. Don't you be moved by things. Don't you be moved by what people perceive you at. That's their peanut brain thinking like that. Their mind is not God's mind. 
God told Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house, Jeremiah, and look at the potter as he move upon the pot and the clay and see how I've developed him and what I do for him. And you'll see that I'm doing something. When the potter starts making the clay, all of us are different vessels. When God begins to make us, some to honor, some to dishonor. But you got to be careful in how we judge things that we don't understand. If you don't understand things in people's lives, shut your mouth. God ain't telling you everything. Sometimes we think we know everything about everybody. You don't. So that's why it's better. And then sometimes if you keep talking, God going to put you in the fire. And see how you like that. You know what disturbed Job more than anything he went through? Job, we're talking about Job, one that God bragged on. It's when his friends were his most critical observers. It wasn't strangers. It was Job's friends. And Job told his friend, you guys are miserable counselors. Uh-oh, they that word counselor again. He said, y'all are miserable counselors. They spent chapters and chapters and chapters. They knew the word. They knew how to write you to buy the word, but they didn't have discernment. They was all in left field. And they did nothing but pull Job apart, man. They beat that man down. And he was already, when a person is going through trials already in their life, they don't need you to come and size them up and criticize them. That's the last thing they need. That makes people move away from people. They don't want to be bothered with them when they see that. Nobody want to be criticized when demons are fighting against them. And then you come around with a self-righteous spirit and you criticize them too? You can't do that, y'all. You got to be careful about that. In his season, his leaves also should not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Notice he builds you up. He tells you don't walk around, don't listen to ungodly counsel, don't stand in the way of sinners, don't sit in the seat of the scopal, but your delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does you meditate day and night. Now you're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth your fruit in your season. Your leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever you do shall prosper. Now, there's a word that's called prosperity and prosper. Prosperity is when you financially you're established. You got cars, you got house, you have money. That's prosperity, okay? When you prosper, it's similar to that. Prospering is when you gain a lot of things. But this is the thing. You can prosper is not always money. It could be in ministry. Whatever ministry you do, it prospers. Every ministry you do, it prospers. Whatever you decide to do in life, God prospers. He's with you. The Bible said that the Lord was with Joseph in the book of Genesis, and Joseph was a prosperous man. It lets you know God was with Joseph. This is when God gives men favor. You ever notice some men, no matter what they do or whatever ministry they start, it flourishes. Whatever ministry they're in, it flourishes. That's when God is prospering them. That means God has got his hand on them. He favored them. Then you may know other people that whatever business they may do, it flourishes. It prospers. It flourishes. God has given them that seed. They got a hand that causes things to flourish. Some people can do one ministry, and that's all they can do. Some, it might be two ministries. Some, it may be three. Others, they can multitask, do more than one ministry, and God is with them. And let me tell you something. 
Don't you think for one minute people who got the gift of discernment or word of wisdom, they can see that God is with you. But that don't mean everybody's going to be happy for you. Listen, the gifts and the callings without repentance. They can have a gift and still be jealous. That doesn't mean they hate you. they just jealous of you. When you, let me explain what jealousy is. When you see somebody can do something, and, they, and effortly they just do it, and it just turns out great, you got a problem with that. And something rises up in you, and makes you angry, because they can do that and everything flows. Or if someone speaks well of this person, something rises, that's a jealous spirit. You as the individual need to work on it. Have you ever been around somebody you get mad because somebody speaks well of this person? It makes you upset. You have a jealous spirit. You got to ask the Lord to take that thing away from you. You got to say, Lord, get rid of this. Because as long as you're jealous of your brother, you like a, listen, you can be, you don't want to be jealous of your brother or your sister. That's a dangerous spirit, y'all. That's very dangerous. Oh, when she opened her mouth, all those words just roll off her lips. The scripture just roll off of her mouth. Then you start putting yourself in competition. Well, I can preach better than them. They may know more scripture, but I preach better than them. That's pride. That's when you got to check yourself. It's something that in you. Oh, well, I'm more educated than them. They can't pronounce words better than me. I speak more eloquent than they do. That's pride. So you got to check yourself. You got to say, Lord, am I jealous of my sister? Am I jealous of my brother? Well, I got a PhD. They ain't even finished high school. You get what I'm saying? Something in you will make you jealous of another person. And every chance you get an opportunity, you you pop them with that. You think of ways to make them feel less than what they are. Yeah, yeah, I feel better now because I see a weakness in you. Folks, everybody got a weakness in them, y'all. Everybody do. The ungodly are not so, verse 4 but I like the chaff which the wind driveth away. The ungodly is not established like this, y'all. Therefore, the ungodly should not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The sinners will not stand in the end time in the congregation of the righteous. Here's a constant cleansing that goes on when God is dealing with us. He cleanses us. He washes us. He purges us. He, he makes us a new creature when we read his word. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. God knows the way of the righteous, the Bible says, but the way of the ungodly man shall perish, y'all. So he teaches us. This is why we do the question now. Are you the type of Christian is a Psalm chapter 1 type of Christian? And the word Christian means Christ-like. So David is telling us what a blessed man is. Now, if you want to go further into what a blessed person is, because when you see people, you say, how you doing? I'm blessed. But what really when they talk about blessed, this is what it's referring to right here, chapter 1 of Psalms. The other part of, of the blessed person is when you read Matthew chapter 5, and seven. Those are the attributes that deal with blessed people. Uh, there are times that we got to realize as people of God, 
Let me tell you something. Ministry. Thank God for ministry. But folks, this may surprise you. Sometimes I don't want to do ministry. I don't. Amen with you. I don't. But let me tell you what I feel like doing sometimes. Going somewhere and letting a cool breeze ride by and just sit here and just sit around with quiet. I'm being honest with y'all. And a lot of times people don't know I battle with that a lot. I don't want to do ministry sometimes. I really don't. I don't. I'm being honest with you. But sometimes if people don't have discernment, they'll think that you want to be all that in the back of the city. They have no clue you really want to go off somewhere to an island and just be in quietness. You want to get away from the people for a while, a long time. But this is why we don't need, we got to be careful judging people. Boy, we got to be careful judging people. Because really, when you're trying to fight with God and say, Lord, I want to walk away from everything. I don't want to do nothing. I just want to be with you and you alone and just be at peace. And I'm cool with that. And God keeps pushing you back and saying, I need you here. And you say, I don't want to do it. I really just want to go somewhere else and relax. Just me and you, God. I just want to settle down and let my mind be at ease. Because people don't understand the weight and the responsibility that comes with ministry. It's a lot. You don't need a title to have a lot on you. You do not. Let me say that again for those who think it's all about the title. You don't need a title, champ, to have a lot of pressure on your shoulder. Do y'all got me? Still, sometimes it's not about the title because who you are and how you love God, the devil's coming after you. He's coming after you. And you just want to take a break. You just want to get away from everything. Because he comes in different forms and ways to attack you. It could be through when you're driving a car, people cutting you off or something crazy happening. They see you come and stop in the middle of the street and won't move the car. Weird things start happening. Weird things, folks. You drive in mind and you've been the person stopping in the middle of the car and have a conversation with somebody and you waiting for them to move, and they see you there, and they won't do it. They will not move. Strange things. You on the job, doing your job the best way you know how, and the boss will get upset with you and write you up. You did your job. They ain't worried about nobody else but you. Listen, all kind of ways you get hit, all because you're talking with people about God. And then the worst of it all, he's fighting you in many other areas, and then you come to church and say, finally, I made it to the church, and then the saints start attacking you right there, too. <laughs> because they, this is, you're dealing with principalities and power, and the enemy wants you to throw up your hand and quit. And sometimes you just want to break. You just really want to get away. You said, God, I'm sick of these. These your people, God. Get like Moses. They're your people, Lord. <laughs> you know what I mean? You want to get away, you just want to say, God, I just want to relax. I just want to relax. And sometimes when people tell you to pray for them, believe me, pray for people. Pray for people. Because they got demons and spiritual warfare that's fighting against them. Folks attacking them in all kind of ways, not even knowing what they've gone through. And they just add more gas to the fire. More gas to the fire. So God is trying to pull us into different places, and he's stretching you because he won't put more on you than what you can bear. And that's the honest to God, too. 
He finds you worthy to go through what you're going through because where he's taking you at in life, he got to take you through these trials. he got to put you in a place where people disappoint you, when people talk about you, when people misjudge you, when people criticize you. he got to take you through these great places that you don't know why you got to go through this way. You didn't ask for none of that. Only thing you want to do is just do what God called you to do. And it seems like as you're doing what God called you to do, somebody always misunderstand you. They misunderstand. They don't try to come to you. They let the voices talk to them. You know what he's trying to say? He's trying to say this and that about you. And so they automatically start attacking you, not knowing you wasn't even thinking about them. You're thinking about something else, but they heard something else from the enemy. This is why we need discernment. So if there's anybody out there who would like to add or say anything, please just put star eight, star eight, and come on in and talk with Brother Calvin. I want to hear what you got to say. If there's anyone else out there who would like to say anything or add to it, please feel free to do so. Will, bring him in if there's somebody else out there. Uh, And if it's not Will, share with the people what we are, what we are about, and this is what we could do. If you did, Dr. Will. Dr. Will, and if anybody, again, if you want to say something, just push star eight, my friends, push star eight, amen? So that's what we're dealing with, and so we just want to share that with you, um, hoping that Will will come in and say something, if anything you need to say. Um, now, let's go into the book of, we want to stay into Psalms. And we want to go to Psalm chapter 15, okay? Let's look at Psalm 15, and this is another nugget that I want to read to you guys. And it said, Lord, who shall abide in the tabernacle? Or who shall dwell in your holy hills? Listen to what it said. He that walketh upright and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart, he that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Listen, God is asking a question. David is asking a question. I'm sorry. Who's going to dwell in your tabernacle? Who should dwell in your holy hill? He began to tell you these people that have a certain type of character. Everybody say character. When you deal with character, these are the characteristics that you must possess in your heart certain type of characteristic that God want to see uh, you have. And when God deals with your character, he's developing your character because of where he's taking you at. He wants to do things in your life. He wants to develop you, but he want to make sure that you're, you're that type of person that he can trust. Listen, let me go further. Um Verse 4, in whose eyes is a vile person is contained, but he honors them that fear the Lord. He that swears to his own hurt, if he tells you something, he can keep his word and changes not. You ever had somebody tell you they're going to do something, but they don't keep their word? They make a swear to you? Sometimes things happen, people can. But in most cases, you ever had people that did that? He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh a reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things.
never be removed. In other words, let me sum up this whole paragraph. Integrity, y'all. Integrity. This is what the Bible talks about when it talks about integrity. Let's go to Psalm chapter 26. I want to show you something right there. Psalm chapter 26. This is interesting right here. I love this right here because it teaches you a lot of things. Um, and uh, Psalm chapter 26. I'm sorry, Psalm 27. Verse 10. For when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy ways, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of my enemy. Deliver me not over, deliver me not over unto the will of my enemy, for false witness are risen up against me, and such as breathe, such as that breath out cruelty, that breathe out cruelty, I'm sorry, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Is anybody waiting on the Lord? When you're waiting, there's something that God wants you to do. You just don't wait and do nothing but he want to do something with you. Turn to Psalm chapter 90. 90. Psalm chapter 90. These is the word of the Lord that you can get into and just get it in your spirit and just grow from there. Because even though these books are written, they were written by people who went through a lot of things. And listen to what it says. Psalm chapter 90, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling places in all generations before the mountain was brought forth, or even you had formed it, the earth, the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. You turn as man to destruction and say, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in your sight is but as yesterday, and when it is past, it is a watch in the night. Thou carries them away as with a flood. They are asleep, and in the morning they are like the grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourishes and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withered. For we are consumed by your anger, and your wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, and our secret sins is the light of your countenance. For all of our days are passed away in wrath, and we spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, which is seventy years, folks. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. We don't have that much time on the earth. So whatever you want to do for the Lord, do it with all your might. But you'll look up and you'll be gone. Verse 11, who knows the power of thy anger 
even according to thy fear. So is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. Number your days. Apply your heart to wisdom. Don't waste your time attacking people. You may not wake up tomorrow. You don't want to be the last thing you put up on your Facebook with something you did to attack someone or the last text you sent out, your text was attacking someone, and that's the last thing we ever hear about you, and you did. The next day we hear you didn't wake up because you died in your sleep. Number your days and apply your heart to wisdom. Don't waste your time dealing with foolish stuff of third-grade activities. Listen, First Corinthians chapter 13 said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. When are we going to grow up? We got to get to the place that we grow up, and we want to grow in wisdom and stature and maturity so that we can help build up others. You see, that's the name of the game. The name of the game is building up other people, and when you learn how to be a master builder. builder. Paul considered himself a master builder. Paul didn't say I'm a bag of chips and all that. Don't yet Paul talks about a lot of his accomplishments. He did. He let people know who he was. Hebrew or Hebrew, he told them all the stuff who what he was. He was a Roman so He let us know what he was. But he considered himself a master builder. Now, when we say Paul act like he's a bag of chips and all that, no. He was letting you know that God gave him the ability to build people up. And that is a gift. God has given this man a gift. Listen, you got to flow with what works for you. When God gives you something, you use that gift till you can't use it no more. You hear me? Don't you let nobody pull you out of the place where God is calling you to work and labor at to do what they want you to do. Because sometimes people pull on you because they want you to do what? They want you to do. You got to do what God is calling you to do. You got to do what God is calling you to do. And sometimes it means breaking away from people that you're familiar with, your family. Let me tell you something. When God called you to the ministry, he called you to the ministry. Your family may not want to go, but you better go because he's calling you to do that. And may God help you if you don't move. And what you do want to do, don't allow fear to stop you from walking in those places that God will call you to be at. Because God will be raising you up. And I'm not, when I say the word raising, I don't know what other people think about when they say raising you up. They may think about titles and position in the church. I'm not thinking about that. I don't care about that stuff, man. People worry about being in front of people and so people can pat them on the back. That don't, that don't please me. It does nothing for me at all. Honestly, it don't. Um, when I say raise you up, I'm talking about when God raising you up spiritually to be an encourager to the believers, to strengthen his people. The, part, the, 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 the word that Jesus said to Peter was, the devil desired to grind you as weak. But I prayed for you, Peter. I know you're going to go through something, Peter, but I prayed for you. And listen to the word of encouragement. And when you are converted, strengthen your brother, Peter. 
This is what God called all of us to do. He didn't say tear down you when you are converted. The devil desired to sniff you as wheat, grind you up like dog meat. And I pray for you, Peter. And when you are converted, tear your brother's back out. Destroy him. Attack him. Beat him down with a baseball bat. And make sure you let everybody know, this is the man I'm talking about. This is the woman I'm talking about. No, Jesus didn't say that. He said, when you are converted, Peter, strengthen your brother. Strengthen your brother. Think, listen, y'all, listen. We got to build one another up. Anybody can look at a man and tear him down. I always say this to the brothers. Anybody can tear down a man. You know, you can be Joe Block from off the street, the crackhead, the alcoholic, whatever. Anybody can tear a man down. You know, God, there's nothing important about you because you see somebody got a weakness. Anybody can do that, but it takes a real person to build a man. It takes a real leader, a brother that cares about people. When I think about the good Samaritan, he's called a Samaritan. Not any type of Samaritan. He's called the Good Samaritan for a reason. His story lives to this day. That might have happened 3,000 years ago, but God saw what happened. And the Lord Jesus, when he came on earth, he talked about the Samaritan. People didn't see it. The Samaritan did what he did out of his heart. The Bible said that he had compassion on the man that was robbed. When the last time have you had compassion on somebody? When was the last time you had compassion on someone? Compassion. He had compassion on him. The priest walked by him. The Levite walked by the man that was beaten and left for dead. Three type of people, the Jew, the priest, the high everybody walked by him. But the Samaritan, half breed, half Jew, Took him in, paid for the hotel, told the people, left money with him and said, all this is for him, and if he used more than that, it's on me. Let me know about it, and I'll take care of it. Listen, God saw that, y'all, and he talked about that. To this day, we have what they call the Samaritan law, meaning if somebody needs help and you have to pull them out of a car and they break their leg or something, they can't sue you. They are protected underneath the Samaritan law. The Samaritan, think about that. That one act that that man did has gone down in time. The one act that he did. Uh, if anybody want to speak or say anything, please push eight. Push star eight. I'm sorry. Push star, then push eight. And come on on and say something. Share with us. If anybody want to speak or say anything. For star eight, and we want to hear from you and hear what you got to say. Please, we want you to understand, if anything you want to say, just put star and then put eight. Um, so uh, we want everybody to know here, this is on Talk Radio Network, here we are all about freedom of speech, freedom to grow, freedom to learn, and freedom to know. And we want to welcome everybody just to come in if you want to say anything, only thing we ask you to do is to be real, be safe, and be ready. So come on in if something you want to say. Push star eight and come on in and talk with us. We want to hear what you got to say. 
Is there anyone out there who want to just put star eight and come on in and say something? You're there. We're here for you. We want to hear what you got to say. Just hit that star, hit that eight, and come on in and join the family, and we want to hear what you got to say. All right? So now let me go into something right here that most of us are familiar with. Remember, just put star eight, folks, and you can come on in and join us. Um, there is a, a platform that Jesus did when he began to talk with us in the book of Matthew, and he began to allow us to see what his thinking is like in the, the kingdom of God, heavenly rules that he laid down and what he was saying to all of us as people of God. Um, we just want to read that right here. And it's in Matthew chapter 5, if you have your Bible, you could just Come on in, Matthew chapter 5. Again, if you want to say something, please just put star 8. You can come on in and you can ask any question or share or whatever you want to say. Just do that. Okay, star 8. And I'm um, star 8, okay? Star 8. Put star 8. All right, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain. And when he had set, his disciples came unto him. This is what Jesus said. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, again, we're dealing with the blessed man, the blessed man. David summed it up in about maybe 11 paragraph lines or paragraph. But Jesus went more into this blessed man. Listen to what Jesus said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they that which do hunger, listen, and thirst after what? Righteousness. They're hungry for that. They're not hungry to tear somebody down and, and criticize people. They are hungry for righteousness' sake. What are you telling us to do, Jesus? For they shall be filled. Blessed are, uh-oh, the merciful. Remember when we were talking about the Samaritan? He had compassion on him. He was merciful to him. For they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called, uh-oh, the children of God. Do you make peace when you on um, anything you do? Are you making peace or are you stirring up confusion? The peacemakers are those who go somewhere. They don't bring strife and contention. They're not going down that path. They bring peace. Their words are seasoned to people that hear them. When they share and teach the word, it's all about building the body of Christ, not attacking somebody, attacking somebody, attacking somebody, but it's all about building up the body of Christ. Listen to what I said. They shall be, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, not self-righteousness now, y'all, <laughs> but for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. they being persecuted only because they love God. That's, I mean, that's the only reason why you, they persecute them. They don't like them, and they're not going to like you. Uh. And where are we now? 
Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all men are evil against you falsely. It's not even true. Listen, for, wait, I skipped that. Y'all got to just be patient with me. So say all men of evil against you falsely for my sake, for Christ's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Those who lived before you lived, they was persecuted also. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost a savior, wherever all shall it be salted, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a cancel, candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I've not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill. For truly I say unto you, to heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, shall all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever should teach, to do and teach them, the same should be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You want a great name? Teach people God's law. The laws are the word of God. Remember I tell you, the commandments are the Ten Commandments, but the law is the word of God, okay? For I say unto you that accept your, listen to this very carefully, y'all, and do your homework and find out what these Pharisees was like. I really encourage you, all of you underneath the sound of my voice, look up the Pharisees, study what type of people they are, they was like. Make sure that you're not doing what they did. I'm telling you, you do not want to be in their shoes. For I say unto you, verse 20, that accept your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Listen, y'all, these people were self-righteous. They hated Jesus without a cause. The Bible says whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause is a murderer. They hated Jesus. You better make sure when you dislike people, I mean, it's no reason really to dislike. You got to forgive people. They may do things that you don't like, but you got to forgive them. But you can't be like the scribes and the Pharisees. They were so self-righteous. They would not shake your hand. They wouldn't eat with you. They wouldn't hang around you. They wouldn't be with you. This is not the Psalm chapter one David is talking about. He's not talking about that monkey stuff. So if you was a sinner, you ain't got nothing to say to them. They were self-righteous. If you sin, they didn't want to be around you neither. By the way, for those of you who didn't know that. But here is Jesus, who is the spotless lamb of God, 
who did not sin nor was God found in his mouth, going about healing all of those who are sick and oppressed. He is the spotless Lamb of God. The Bible says they hated Jesus without a cause. Do you hear me? Sometimes you could be doing what you're supposed to be doing, and people may still not like you. I'm telling you. They did not like Jesus. They did not like him. And when you see somebody always poking you with a fork, no matter what you do, you mind your business, they start sticking you with that fork again, just poking you, poking at you, poking at you. You're dealing with people who don't know what the love of God is. You have heard that it was said by them of old time that you should kill, you should not kill. But whosoever kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, to be in danger of judgment. And whosoever should say unto his brother, Raka, Araka, whatever it is, to be in danger of the council, but whosoever should say, Thy fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, there remember that your brother has aught against you. Leave there your gift before the altar. And go your way and first be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge deliver you to the officer and you be cast into prison. But truly I say unto you, thou shalt. By no means come out thence until you have paid the utmost furtherance. You have heard that it was said of them of old times, you should not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And a lot of times, you got to remember, you don't have to carry out the physical part of it. It can already be done. But you know what we do as people? Church folks are. If we heard somebody committed adultery, we stoned them to death, and yet the next day we go out and look at another man or woman and lust after them in our heart. We are no different from them. Listen, let's go back a few verses. Accept your righteousness, exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes. You shall in no wise enter it. The Pharisees and the scribes was like this. Their heart was wicked, y'all. They looked it right outside. They looked it clean. They looked it perfect. But inside, they were corrupt as a black snake crawling in the grass. They was evil. But outwardly, everything was so righteous and going on. Listen, you don't want to be that way. If your right eye offends thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of your your, your members should be to perish, and not the whole body should be, be cast into hell. And if your right eye offends thee, cut it off. Right hand, I'm sorry, offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of your members should perish and not the whole body should be cast into hell. So it's a lot of things that Christ had to say when you go into this, the Beatitudes. It simply explains what we're supposed to be. 
character-wise. So these are the things that we just want you to know to say and we want you to do. Will, are you there? If we have anybody there, I need a break. Let me grab some water real quick. Come on in here, man, and, and give me something. Um, get some little commercial time for me, buddy. Um, again, if you want to say anything, please put star eight and come on in if somebody would like to say anything. We want to hear from you. We really do. We appreciate you. We just want to hear whatever you got to say. Say it. Just put that star eight and come on in and talk with us. So, Willie, are you there, sir? Willie, I'm calling on you, Willie. <laughs> so we want people to just come in. Yeah, and right here, right here, right here. All right, sir. Tell the people how they can get on in and talk to them, Will. If they want to get on, all they got to do is dial that number, 724-444-7444. The PIN number is 143-941-POUND. Push one pound to enter the show and start eight to talk. And again, Minister Kyle Myers already said that Sound City Radio's always about freedom of speech, <laughs> freedom to go and freedom to learn to know. That's why we always say welcome to Sound City Radio. The only thing that I always ask people to do is please just be real. Please be real. And and, and when you're being real, be safe. You know, watch what you say out your mouth. But the most, most excellent thing that we need you to do is be ready. That's it. Real simple. Back to you, Minister Gaumai. <laughs> yeah, you have to be safe. That means watch what you say out your mouth. Listen, because a, a lot of time, what we just want everybody to know, what we're about here, what we do here, I know that I enjoy just building up the people of God. And, and that's, that's what I always want to say on that vibe. I want to stay in that mode of encouraging God's people. I don't need a church building to do that. I don't need a platform to do that. I, I don't need to be on the stage to do that. I just need to be where the people is at. You just get me around people, and we can talk to anybody at any time. We have a caller. Caller, are you there? Come on in, caller. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, brothers. Can you hear me, Kev? Yeah, I hear you. What's up, Dr. How are you? (laughs) My bad. I must have hung up. I was just on there. I was was like, I had to dial back in. I I don't know. I hung up. Hello? Yes, sir. We here. How you doing, sir? Yeah. We I'm doing good, man. I'm... Yeah, I know. I saw that. Yep. I was um when I got the text from you, I saw it at work, and I was reading up on it, um, Psalm chapter one. But it had it had brought me back to some studies that I was doing like a week ago on um how we hear the word of God. You know what I mean? Because the Bible is. It could be two things. It could be an open book or a closed book, and that determines on the heart. You got if you got a closed heart, you got a closed book. If you got an open heart, you got an open book. The Word of God. So I mean, the Bible is, is readily available to everybody, but yet and still, it remains a, a closed book to many. You know, like the Christians in the first century and Christians nowadays, they don't have access to the Word of God like most of us do. You know what I mean? Right now, if the Christians of the first century, second and third, could come here and see how how we got the book, like the whole revelation, how, how it's just so accessible, 
because only certain people had scrolls and parchments back then. That's why those letters were so precious. You know what I mean? Everybody didn't have a scroll. Everybody didn't have a parchment. The letters didn't get into mass circulation until basically the 1500s when we were able to make the the press when they imprinted when they invented the the uh, Gutenberg's printing press. But um, the receptivity of uh, that Psalms one, the receptivity of the human heart determines on where the word of God goes in a person's life. Jesus Christ talked about it in Luke chapter eight. Uh, Chapter 8, basically, verse 4 through 15, where he talked about the different heart, when he talked about there went forth a sower to sow. Some fell on good ground, thorny ground, shallow ground, and uh, uh, wayside soil. Basically, he was talking about four different types of hearts. There's the coward's heart. That's a heart that's, that's hardened to the word of God because of, you know, things that a person went through. It may put up uh, emotional barriers to God because of, you know, wounds and stuff. And so that's the the heart, callous heart to the word of God. Then you got the heart that's uh, shallow. The word of God doesn't go deep into this heart. You know what I mean? It doesn't get take root in it, Jesus Christ said. And then you have that heart that's um, on thorny ground. That's the heart that's distracted, you know, by the cares of this world, the worries of this world, the desires of this world. And then you have the fourth heart, which is the good ground that Jesus Christ talked about, that the sower dropped the word on. The seed is the word of God, and it, it, it took root, you know what I mean, and it bore forth fruit. So when you're dealing with meditating on the word of God, the best thing to do is ask God to soften your heart so it can take root, you know what I mean? And if you find yourself in any of those situations where your heart is hard, where your heart is shallow, where your heart is distracted, that's where you ask God to give me a hunger. You you mentioned that word earlier, uh, who shall be filled, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 5, those that hunger and thirst have the righteousness. I just think that it, it, the the prayer is the hunger for the word of God, and not only that, the hunger has to be mixed with a soft heart, because that's where it all begins with the heart. Jesus Christ talked about that; those four hearts in uh, Matthew thirteen and in Luke eight. So, I just think that as we pray for a softer heart, continue to and to to keep your heart soft is to try our best. You know, it's hard to try our best to to maintain a prayer life and a constant study life. That's how your heart stays soft. Other than that, you will have a distracted heart. We've all, I've been there, a distracted heart that's, that's concerned with the desires of this world, the cares of this world, the worries of this world. And then a hardened heart, a believer can get a hardened heart. A heart, a heart and heart happens to a person when they constantly ignore the promptings of the spirit. When God constantly pulling on you, pulling on you, you just constantly ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it, then you can get a hard heart towards God's word. That's what happened to Pharaoh. <laughs> God kept on, you know, trying to show him things.
and he kept hardening his heart, and so his heart really got calloused to the uh, word of God. But the best thing to do is just to pray like that psalm, meditate on the word day and night. That's where you get your soft heart from, when you have a constant fellowship with God and prayer in the word. That's how you keep your heart soft. And then as your heart continues to stay soft and receptive to the word of God, then it brings forth fruit. Amen. Brian, let me ask you something. What do you think gets people to a place where their heart becomes to the point that it is hardened like that? Um, I know it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. Oh, yeah. Um, when you see that the root, uh, uh, the core of bitterness take over some people's spirit to the point that they are totally bitter against everything toward God. Because yeah. what we have now is a body of believers who are coming up who don't want anything to do with the fellowshipping with the rest of the saints because of something that has happened in their life that has destroyed, uh, distracted them, and their heart has become hardened to the things of God. Yeah. And really, the Bible tells us we've got to go through tribulation. It said many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them out of them all. Mm-hmm. And we do have a great deal of witness of people who was hurt and wounded but yet bounced back strong. That's in the Bible. David what Saul did to him. Everybody wanted to kill David in the kingdom because Saul made everybody think um, that uh, David was trying to take over. When David wasn't trying to take over, he loved God. He just wanted to please God's people. He wanted to serve the king. Honestly, he wanted to serve the king, but yet people wanted to attack this man and kill him. We have another caller that's coming in. Caller, are you there? Can you hear me? Cool. Yes. Hey, Cooley, how are you, sir? I'm great. I I was um, reading uh, today Jeremiah 17 and 7, and it reminded me of Psalms 1. Um, and, it, and I always say, let God's word be true, and let every man be a liar. Let, let me be a liar. Let God's word be true. Though. And if anything comes up in my head that contrary to the word of God, like, that ain't true, that's a lie. You know, the word of God says, you know, and that's how I put the word on whatever um, situation in my life. When I, and also when I was reading this, I, I got excited because I was thinking of Psalms 1, and then you were reading it, and I was like, okay, I, I was reading Jeremiah 17 and 5, where God says, trust in no man, you know. But I like, I like uh, Jeremiah 17 and 7, where it says, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, who hope is who hope the Lord is, sorry about that, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out his her root by the river, and he shall not see when the heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. And then it says, the time says, the heart is deceitful and above all things, and desperately wicked, who can know it? And the Lord searches the heart, and I try to reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. So when you were saying people heart get hardened, the Lord tell you, look, that ain't right. You can't be that way towards that person. Pray for a softer heart, and then you got to pray for a softer heart. That individual, when the Lord tells you that that ain't right, and if they become hardened to the Lord. He trying. I'm like, you ain't 
going to get blessed. If you're a believer and ain't yielding to the Lord, plus being a believer is believing what God says, just like Abraham. If God tells you your heart is hard and you don't soften it up by repenting and asking him to make it soft, that's rebellion. You know, and God going to punish you for that or not bless you. So, I mean, I enjoyed that when you was reading. I was like, wow, that was awesome because I, I was reading 17 and 7, and that brought that right to me. I, I do. Uh, one of the things I realized, brothers, is that there, there's a lot of people, uh, for whatever reason in their life, personally, it could be at the job, it could be at the family members, it, it could be various things that causes them to feel as though, Trials is something that nobody wants to try. Nobody can say, man, I love trials. Nobody says that. I promise you they don't say that. But when you go through the trials, we know that God allowed these trials to come to purify you. And sometimes he show you what's in your heart, you know, to get you ready for where you're going at. And it's just for a season. But I want us to just try to, Speak to those people who feel as though they have their rope and they really want to give up and they're just tired. They done did so much and it seems like it's always a fight going on uh, when it comes to the striving to go to church and whatever they do. They just want to do whatever God has called them to do. And the more they just want to serve God, the more the fight intensified on their life. And they're trying to get away from fighting and everywhere they go, it's a fight or somebody trying to suck them in the midst of something that has nothing to do with them. How do we speak to people who've been wounded in the house or been wounded in the ministry and whose heart is hurting? They heard us read Psalm chapter 1, and they know this is what God asks of them. But yet they still say, I thought these people was Christians. How do we let them know that everybody in the house is not made of gold and silver and of brass, but some of wood, hay, and stubble? In a house, Jesus said, let the weeps and the tears grow together. We really don't know who's who. How do we appeal to people who say, I don't want nothing to do with church? I came out of church, so now I'm moving into another cult, another uh, religion. I don't want nothing to do with God anymore. How do we address people like that? Share it with our audience, brothers. If any of you guys, Ron and uh, Brother Cooley, share what, what what can we say to those men and those women in particular? How do we address those people? We don't all got to speak at the same time, y'all. But I say that because if you can just Will, if you're there, unmute your brother, and let me hear what they can Yeah, I'm here, say. Kev. Okay, all right. Can you hear Go me? Ahead. Yeah, I was just trying. It was, I was muted. I mean, I would say, I would say first of all, as to, to speak to the struggle as far as the Christian life, I would say that the Christian life, a lot of times, you know, what we do, and we spoke about this before, what we do is we downplay the struggle of the Christian life and we tell Christians, oh, you can come up higher, come up higher. Yes, that's true. But the Christian life is a life in constant conflict. Paul talked about that in Philippians chapter 1, the last verse, where he said, he told the Philippians, he said, 
that you know about the struggle that I've been going through and the conflict which you which you saw in me, which you heard to be in me, and now you see in me, and the conflict is in you too because they was going the same thing. That word conflict is the Greek word agon. That's where we get the word agony from. And it describes a battle, a battle. It's like a wrestling match. It was described for the Olympic Games back then about the contest. It was a deep, intense battle. That, that word conflict. And so the Christian life is a life that's constantly in conflict. First of all, with three things, the Christian has three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So as far as the Christian life itself, it's a life of warfare. That's why we, we hear terms like put on the whole arm of God. Uh, the weapons of our warfare are not, you know what I mean, then it says we rustle. You know what I mean? The Russell was close combat. So the Christian life itself is a life in constant conflict. It's a battle, regardless of what stage we're in, whether we're babes in Christ or whether we're seasoned saints. We're constantly in the battle. Now, to speak to the, the person that's been hurt by in ministry, I would, say, I would just simply say to them that, you know, everybody, first, you can't put your trust in man. You know what I mean? Everybody in, in, in the church is not there for the same reason. A lot of times when people come into the church, especially newborn babes in Christ, they just think, oh, everybody's here for the same reason. Everybody loves me. This is where God is. But people have issues. You can have an issue and be anointed. Peter had an issue with favoritism when it came to dealing with the Gentiles and the Jews. Now here this man is raising up people by the power of Jesus Christ, albeit, raising up people that have been paralyzed for 38 years. Um, they said they would lay people down so that maybe his um, shadow would heal them. Then he went down to Joppa, and he raised up the girl, Darkus. So the th my point is this. I would tell him that, listen, yes, people are anointed. Yes, people have gifts, but people can still have issues. So that when Paul, would, he would sit with the Gentiles, when the Jews wasn't around, then when the Jews came around, he would withdraw from the Gentiles. And that's actually racism. So, But he still had gifts and all that stuff. I would just simply tell him, you have to put your trust in God and not in man. You're not here for people, even though, even though, that's why we got to be careful how we treat people. Because people, we talked about this too. People look at us. Remember the Bible says that we are living epistles seen and read of men. So a lot of that is on the people that's in authority, too, because remember, Proverbs says that a brother lost, <laughs> a brother that's lost or a brother that's offended is harder to be won than a city with brass bars or a castle with brass bars. It's, it's hard to win back people that we've hurt and wounded because they put up barriers and they put up walls, and it takes the Holy Spirit to get through all that. But the, the best thing to do, the best thing to do is to, to educate the church on how to treat people. That's, that, that's what we're lacking at. We have, the church is not educated, though, because we have a church. We have crowded churches, but we don't have healthy churches. Wow. We, got a church for, we got a church full of converts, but we don't have disciples. And that's, the, that's part of the problem. 
we have a church full of converts, but we don't have a church full of disciples. But I would just try to, you know, explain to the person that, you know, you, you're in a building with flawed people. And, and, and when new Christians come along and when young Christians come along, they don't get that message. They get the message as walk in power, walk in holiness. That's the only message they get. They don't get the message that we came from where you are. God is still working on us. They don't get the message that we're still all a work in progress. They don't get that message. So when they come in and get hurt, they leave, and they get hurt. No, you were supposed to, I'm, I didn't expect that from you. But if we, from the gate, give them the message that from the pulpit to the back door, we're all a work in progress. If they get, the, we, we failed with that part of the message. We only teach that we, we really essentially teach that, you know, we are at a certain stage. We don't teach that part because we don't want people to look at it as if, you know, we're not qualified for the position. But my works don't qualify me for the position. Jesus Christ qualifies me for the position. And I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good work which God had before ordained. And I'm confident, like Paul told the Philippians, that he which had begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He told the Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear in trembling. So in all those verses, you hear the word work. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I am his workmanship. Then he said, I'm confident that he which had begun a good work in you. So the whole thing is we all are work in progress. And new converts don't get that message. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I hear you. Go ahead. And, and, and I just want, I know that's Cooley coming in. Is it another caller out there who wanted to come in? If there's another caller, if you did, just come on in. I want you to come on in. Hello? No, they haven't put star eight. They are just listening. Okay. Go go ahead, Cooley. Go ahead. I want to hear what you got to say, buddy. Yeah, the same thing Um, as far as speaking to those uh, people in the world. There's a lot of scoffers in the world right now, and I've been coming across that. And also, there's a lot of young people who aren't who weren't raised in a church. So not mm-hmm. only do we have to apply the word, we know a lot of word, but we have to live it and pray in the process that the Lord fills your mouth with the words to say. Mm-hmm. Not only does that, because I was speaking with um, one of the guys I grew up with from you know we grew up from the projects, and but he had this doctrine that's from Satan because a lot of people use it saying that we come from the stars, we made from the stars. But um, I began to tell him, okay, I didn't argue with him, but I began to tell him the real grown man thing to do because we all have sin. is to confess your sin to God Almighty and repent of your sin and trust in his son. That's the real grown man thing. I know we were taught something different when we were younger, you know, to, to indulge in the world. That's the wrong No, The real manly thing to do is trust in the Lord because being a Christian, you're not a punk, and you enter and you're engaging in warfare, and your enemy is the devil and the demons. So we ain't punks out there being Christians. We battling. We are in warfare. We are more than conquerors, but we are conquerors. We are soldiers in the army of the Lord. So when you're battling yourself, you're battling just like the brother said, the, the devil, Venus, and our own flesh is our enemy. The world, when you battling that, that's all day, every day. But the peace of the Lord, when you put the word on it, you got peace. 
You can think on the word, think on God's word, and that brings you peace. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. That gives us strength. And then we are to live it because some people ain't going to crack that Bible over. They're going to watch you and see you like, man, uh, he got all that. I want to be that way. Because the Bible describes them as dogs. We are kings and priests. You know, we are um, exalted in the kingdom of God. We are uh, ambassadors, the thoughts of, of this world, the light of the world that Jesus called us to be, to bear fruit so that others can want the fruit and see how they can obtain it. So when they see us and we putting the word on it and we actually living it, that's how you want to win the people over because the Lord adds the increase and then they cry out to him. Because there's only one God. All the other gods and deities are false gods. What people do is they run from the true and living God until they're at the bottom. And if they don't repent at that state, that's when they get destroyed by the enemy because pride comes before destruction. And if that pride, is, if you're too proud, just like you were speaking on about Pharaoh, that pride and the heart and heart, he got destroyed. So... Really, you just live the word, you live it, and you show them, and you ask God to fill your mouth with the things that say to them, and he does it because it's his, it's his people and it's his word. And we just watch the work and watch the word perform in them. You know what I find very interesting? If Jesus was on the earth today, I know he would have a lot of things he had to say to the leaders of this time. <laughs> Poor oh, my goodness, man. It would be really, really, it would be very man. interesting what he would have to say. And I, and, I, and I tell you this, honesty, in all honesty, I don't think Jesus would be popular among a lot of bishops and apostles and those who call themselves prophets. He would not be popular among them because what he would say, they would not be in agreement of it because they would have a problem with what he said. Because he would give you the truth, the naked truth. I mean, and, and when God comes, we got to remember God had one thing and one thing only on his mind and on his heart was to bring people into the kingdom of God. All these other things that we don't add it to it. We dressed it up. It, I mean, it looks like a big, big, overweighted woman. But the bride of Christ, we put so many things on it. We've Amen. added so much to it, man. Yep. That has nothing to do with deliverance and being saved and serving God. You know, you get what I'm saying, Ron? Yeah. So we have gotten to the place that now the people see all the material and all the activities, but do they see God? The, the people who did follow Jesus, they followed him because when you came in his presence, he looked right through your soul. He knew you. He saw you. And he will have mercy on you. And he reached out to get to you because he knew that what you needed, he had it. And you knew what he had, you needed it. And so people will follow him because they just wanted to get to him and they just wanted to talk with him. But I, I, I say that because you got a lot of people who don't know who they are, and they never really looked into the word of God and find out who they really was. Mm-hmm. They believed that they were supposed to worship stars, moons, and planets. God made us 
better than that. <laughs> we are a living, listen, out of everything that's on this earth, everything, God made us in his image. The earth is not made in the image and the likeness of God. The Bible told us to have dominion over the earth, not the earth have dominion over us. The devil is the liar. He told Adam, he said, subdue the earth and have dominion over it. I'm putting you in charge. The first Adam had power. It never talked about Adam power. But it tells us that Jesus is called the second Adam. Uh, mm. Now, he walks on the water like it was ground. He rebukes the wave and the storm. He understood who he was and walking in his dominion. And he was training the disciples and trying to tell them, do y'all know who you really are? You were supposed to be the king of this earth right here. I put y'all in charge of the earth. You don't worship the water, the stars, the moon, the, the trees, and all that. You don't worship none of this. I'll put you here to be over it. You're made in the image and the likeness of me. That's why you have dominion and power. Angels are not made like us. Angels have body. It's a different type of body they have, and they are spirits. They don't have a soul. You have a body. Human is made of a body, a soul, and a spirit, threefold but yet one. When the person dies, their body go back to the earth because it came from dust you are, dust you shall return. He is a spirit. The Bible says the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord that searches all the inward parts of the belly. Then the Bible tells us that we are soul. Now, your soul is your mind, your emotion, and your will. But we are living soul. And this is what happens. When people have died, and you can look it up and Google it, and people will tell you. What people experience when they die, they came out of their body. Some people talk about, oh, we just going back to the earth. No, 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 no. When you die, you go into the real spiritual world where you came out of. Angels, God, everything is dead. Dead people who died before you, all the, listen, you, either you going to heaven or you going to hell. You're not going to be some lost soul wandering around. Demons wander around like that looking for a body to jump in. But you, not so. You are a living soul. People have went to heaven and they've seen their loved ones. They've seen family members and talked with them. Some people say they, they couldn't tell if they was in the body or out of the body because it was so real. You are a living soul. When we die, we're going to stand before God. But you know the thing that I really love about when people say when they met God, they they talk about the love they felt coming from him. Some of them say they felt so ashamed because of the way they treated people when they was on the earth. They said the love that was coming from God was incredible, incredible. And that's the love. <laughs> this, this is when Jesus was on the earth. He said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples for the love you have one towards another. He meant that, y'all. And uh, I'm sorry that a lot of people walked away from God and studied religious churches and got into another religion. 
Folks, let me tell you, never walk away from God. Sometimes things happen in our life that we cannot explain or we don't know why. But you got to know that God loves you. He didn't want you to become traditional. Sometimes we get caught up into the tradition of church and we leave God because of tradition of church. But don't leave God. There are things that you may not understand. There are things that you may not agree. Connect with somebody in your church who loves God. You got to be around the people who really love God. Don't look at the people that hurt you and wound you, and don't leave the family of God. Hang in there and find people who are mature, people who are going to help you pray better, who are going to make you stay and get, on, um, get into your word better people who are going to make you sharper than where you're at right now in your life because God want to use you for his glory. He has a plan for you. Nobody is here by accident. God want to use all of us. And what you can do is something that I cannot do. But you, you want to walk with the Lord and don't leave him. Because your life is too important to us to walk away from God. You're not perfect, and none of us are perfect. You're going to have your challenges, and we're going to have challenges. But don't let individuals, even if it's a group of people, make you walk away from God. Sometimes you may have to step back for a while, but get back in the fight and keep going. Um, And don't be wary and well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. God Mm -hmm. is with you. He's not a respectable person. He got a a great compassion, a number of angels that he assigned over all of us to help us. They are called ministering spirits. And they did for us. He created them. He didn't need the angels. We needed them. We needed the angels. And so he gave you everything you would need. He gave you the Holy Ghost to live inside of you. He gave you his son to die for you. He gave you the people of God to love you. And so whatever you got to do, you keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. But don't walk away from the church. So so there's a lot of people who are bitter and angry at church. I, I hope that everybody understands. Anybody who get into any leadership, they make decisions. Leaders are not perfect, just like we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But if you do see a problem, you pray for the leader. And sometimes if you see the leader just walking in an ungodly way and practicing ungodly ways, then maybe it's time for you to sit up underneath a pastor who loves the Lord. You pray and find yourself to go somewhere where you can get up underneath a pastor who really, truly loves God. Um, But for the most part, don't you miss God because someone else offend you or did something to you. And, you know, I I have testimonies, y'all. I mean, I was just a babe in Christ, not at the church I'm at now, not at Deliverance, but at another church years ago, and the devil showed his head ugly on me. I must have been saved for two years. This was at another church, and I had a low-down, dirty deal done to me by a minister. I mean, he, he tried to do me in. 
I was only saved for two years. This was at another church out in West Philly at the time when I first got saved. Man, that was enough right there to make me walk away from God, but I didn't. I kept going with the Lord. And I just want to let everybody know, we want you to keep going too. And you got to say to yourself sometimes, why is the enemy fighting me so hard? It, it, it got to be something that God is calling you to do that the enemy don't want you to get there because he's scared of you. He's afraid that when you get there, you're going to make a difference and impact a lot of people's lives. And it gets hard. I know it gets hard because you wonder why did, why did it come your way? It could have gone anybody else's way, but it came straight to you. It's like no matter, even you try to duck and hide, it went around the corner and found you. <laughs> you start asking yourself that question. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, do we have another caller here? Is there another caller coming in? Nothing I see. Uh... Oh, yeah, there they go. They just hit it again. Hello, caller. The men of God. My goodness. God bless you. How you doing? How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm that voice sounds familiar. I can't figure out who the heck it is. I'm trying to figure out who this it a, is, too. I don't know who it this is. A, this is a, a, a much-time listener, first-time caller. I know. When you say much-time listener, you got that voice. He got that that rapper's voice. That, when, when he starts talking for a little bit, then he's like, you know who that is? That's that boy who made that daggone album called Bring Your Heart. That, that's that boy. That's that boy. <laughs> <laughs> Loving what you guys are talking about, you know, um, there is a level of accountability that we as ministers have. You know, um, we did talk about some of this earlier today. You know, um, we have to understand, and, and, and I don't want to—I don't want to use that phrase. We must understand. Um, did we lose our brother? No, I'm still here. I don't know what Will did or what happened. No, they are still there. They all there. Okay. Can they hear me? Can they hear me? Yeah, I yeah, can hear you. Okay. Well, I ain't going to make it long. I ain't going to make it long. I'm going to make it tedious. Just you know, do one to others as you have to do one to others. I mean, that, for me, that's it. Do one to others. I remember how I felt when people said certain things to me. You know what? I make sure I don't say that to somebody else. You know, Amen. Uh, and, and it's real simple. I, I think that we try to spiritualize everything, even how to how to talk to people. You know, just just be hospitable. I mean, just just show care for people. I mean, be hospitable. I can't I can't say it no better than that. Be hospitable. Be kindly affectionate one toward another. You know, and because <laughs> we have, you know, just lost those basic skills of interaction, intercommunication, that, you know, a lot of people have been turned off because people come, people come to church with a preconceived notion that everyone in church has it together. 
that we are right. exactly. Yep. We are exactly. We, that that we are no longer a natural part of society. You know, but they come to find out that the same people that's outside the church is the same people in the church. You know, and 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 it is it is very important. I made a challenge out, and since I'm on the air, I'm gonna continue this challenge. That as we know in our generation, that's men. That's a, between I would say 55 and 35. Most of us have come from a foundation that was based on a man or a woman of God that prayer life was like three, four hours a day, you know, and to build on that foundation to at least see God move in the areas that we desire, we have to match that. Yeah, that that's what I believe. Now, and that's my personal belief, that we have to match at least that because there are territories and um, principalities that were in subjection because of the anointing, because of the presence of that person. But as that generation dies off, it appears that the devil begins to gain more ground. And it's not because we're not praying, but we're not at the level that we had. We have to maintain that level and intensify that. And that's what I believe. So as they do that, you know, the devil's going to attack who he can attack, you know, as a roaring lion walking around seeking whom he may devour because he can't eat everybody. You know, some people have been, you know, um, I would say to God at a level where they understand that, Hey, things happen. Life still goes on. People ain't perfect, but my eyes is on Jesus. You know, so, and as people do that, you know, we'll, we'll get better. But in the meantime, we that have a place of prominence, whether it be in the church, on the choir, in the ministry, we have to we have to show Christ-like character. I mean, it's it's really simple. Not judgmental, not critical of people. You know, one thing that Pastor Brown instilled in me, you know, for the short time that I was with him, that I really appreciate is that ministry is people. You know? And if you're not willing to deal with all sorts of people, then you need to find out what else you want to do. Because if you're going to be a minister, when we're all ministers, but if you're going to be a minister, that means that you have to deal with all kinds of people. Because you're going to have to be able to minister to all types of people. You can't just pick the ones that's elite, the ones that's well-refined, the ones that smell good, the ones that talk good. You're going to meet some people that can't talk well that choose not to talk well, that, that language is vulgar, that don't smell that well, then what you going to do? You're going to say, well, I ain't ministering to them. What what you going to do? You, you have to do the same thing for them. So, you know, so I think we need to really look at ourselves if that's what we want to do and really pray. I believe I heard one of the brothers say, you got to pray. You know, God, touch my heart. Give, give me that soft heart. Give me that, take out that stony heart. Put in me a heart of flesh that I may feel what you feel. And feel like you feel because in myself, you know, this guy coming at me all crazy, I'm ready to smash him. And I know I can't do that, but you got to change how I feel and, and what what's coming out of me, you know, in this press. And I believe that that's what ministry is really about, not just that the character of Christ may be shown in us, 
but that everything that's not like him may be also worked out of us if we're willing to be broken. That's yeah, my, that's a good word. My, my piece on that. So I'm gonna keep listening. I'm gonna but I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna go in the house. I was driving. Had to drive my daughter around. Well, can you tell everybody about that album real quick, man? How they can get in and reach it, man? Well, the album is definitely on iTunes, Google Play, CD Baby, soon to be on Amazon. So, um, booking information can definitely be contacted if they um, send me an email at elderaaronwilliams at gmail.com. That's what I'm talking about. All right, God bless you. Mr. Kalmais? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're here. Uh, it's good to hear uh, Deborah A. called in and Cooley and Ron. And I, I pitched that thing out here to everyone because there's a lot of people. Now, we know the prophecy said at the end time it would become a great falling away. And a lot of people left from the faith, but we want to try to get those to come back because some of these people they got to come back because they prodigal sons. You get what I'm saying? Um, the ministry itself is not the church is not perfect, but ain't nobody in the church is perfect, and nobody got. We know the word of God, the laws of God is right all together, but. There is a process that in, in all of us that God is working on. But I think sometimes for me, I can't speak for everybody else, but I'm going to speak for me. There is just some things I expect more from people. For an example, I, 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 have a, I got a son that's eight years old, and then I got an older son that is a, that's a man. I never expect my son that's a man to do what an eight-year-old son does. You get what I'm saying? Because he's older. He should have lived long enough. He he lived long enough to know better. And I, I believe in the church is where we at. A lot of time we expect not people who are older, who've been around longer, to know better in certain things. Um, I'm the type of guy is like this. What did the Reddick say? If you can't keep up, don't step up. <laughs> Hey, man, listen, sometimes if you're not going to be able to keep up, don't step up. And like the word of God said, if the horses have wearied, the footmen have wearied you, how would you be able to keep up or contend with the horses? There are things in our lives that I, I think to me and what I see in time I find in older men that I look and if I see things, I said they petty. They too petty. Even in the world, you knew that it was something that 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 was like water on a back duck. You'd be like, "That's petty." You still there? That's where you at in your life. And when you see that, you'd be like, "You never grew. You still petty." And then I'd be like, "Oh no, I can't deal with that." Ah, see, we had a, a men's leadership class that we went through for like I think it was two months. We went through the class for two months. 
and what we were taught in that class and what our ears have heard and what we was learning, I understood I could pick a leader apart from what I went through that class. It taught us so much. I mean, Aaron took the class. The class was raw. It taught you all the attributes of what you should be having in a leader. Now, it, it, it never told us that the leader was perfect, but it always let us know what to expect in a leader. And first it started with us as leaders. How do we respond to others? And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever want to get the book, it's a Bible called the John C. Maxwell Bible. I encourage you to get that Bible and order it. It's a Bible by John C. Maxwell to deal with. It's called the Leadership Bible by John C. Maxwell. Out of all the 66 books of the Bible, it tells you all the leaders' strengths, all of the leaders' weakness, male and female. It gives you a whole outlet. I had the Bible for many years. And uh, the first time I got it, I took the class underneath Pastor Dykeman. When he was giving the class at his church, I took the class there, and it was awesome. And then I took the class again with Reverend Zara Harris at my church at Deliverance. We took the class again there, and it was awesome. And so I, I really encourage you guys, if you don't have that Bible, get that Bible. John C. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you to stop reading the King James Bible. Continue to read that. But for studying, of leadership, man, I promise you, after you read that John C. Maxwell Bible, when you study up on different, pick, think of your best character that you love in the Bible. And when you get that John C. Maxwell and the way that God gave him the revelation, how to break down those characters, it's mind-blowing. And I forgot, Cooley took the first class with us, too. That class is powerful, man. I'm telling you, it gives you a whole outlet. It gives you history and time and biblical principles of leaders, the good ones and the bad ones. Do you guys know Hitler had a following too? Oh, Hitler had a following. Because sometimes we get the concept that if you're a bad leader, nobody follows you. Nah, nah, nah. Uh-uh. No, sir. Hitler had a big following. And, I mean, he was the devil walking in the earth. He was the devil, but he had a huge Discipline following. He had a following. The man was cuckoo for Cocoa Puff, but he had a big following. So sometimes we try to say, well, if they were a the better leader, they'd have a big following. I, I said that a lot, too, in time past. But when you really look at it, leaders make people just like themselves. It's like almost you're not making people in your image, per se, but you gleaning them to be as strong as you are so that when you step off, they can step right in and that ministry won't miss a beat because you trained them so well. They can just step right in in their own way that God gave them and step up and be there. If you're sick, they can step right in. But if you got people there and you don't want to use anybody, you're scared to use them, then you need to ask yourself the question, is I'm really training these people to step up and take over? Because if I'm not, I'm failing my position. And you see that with Dr. Miles Monroe, he said the name of the game was to work yourself out of a job. I don't care what position of leadership you are. If you're in a ministry, you don't have to be a pastor at all. 
You don't need to be a pastor, but you are a leader underneath your church ministry. I know at our church we have 70-some different ministries. Each ministry got a leader that's over that particular ministry. The good leaders in good ministry normally train people who could step up. So if they're not there, somebody can run it effectively the right way. I have learned the worst thing to do is to put somebody in charge because they're your boy, but yet they can't do what you can do in running things. You got to put people that's there who knows how to do it effectively if you wasn't there, even though they're not your boy. You may not agree with them on everything, but you know they know what they're doing. You put them in there. Because it's not about you, it's about the ministry. And so I, I've learned that in so being around different people who are in charge of ministry, it's easy for me to look at you and tell you what you ought to be doing. But a lot of times we forget as people, all of us can see each other. We see each other. We see all of our strengths and all of our weakness. And everybody don't have the same weakness. It, 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 it could be challenges in our lives that we battle with since we was little kids, little kids. And some of us, because nobody never really told us this is a weakness that we notice in you, we never knew it was there. We never even knew it was there. But I've learned that if I, if I ever want to strive and see, uh, I got my King James Bible of deliverance that I love so much that Aaron always criticized me about because it's ripped up, raggedy up but it's got all my outline and highlights in it. And he said, man, you need to take that Bible somewhere and leave it there. And don't bring that Bible back out. But I love that Bible because that was the Bible that taught me a lot of the words. I've learned a lot of things. It's marked up very well. But also, I have my dates annotated Bible. Now, that book ain't, it's marked up, but it ain't tore. I love my dates annotated Bible. That's a bad book. That's another book Bible that you want to get. So for me, I got my Deliverance Bible, I got my Dates Annotated Bible, and then I have my Maxwell, John C. Maxwell Leadership Bible. So I'm eating good, steak, baked potato, and salad. I'm eating good. And I just want to encourage you, do all you can so that when you read and you study God's Word, you get a good, clear understanding. And these are three Bibles that are just really good to read. Uh, I, I just encourage you that they are books. And people got Schofield Bibles and all that. With me, I like the dates annotated Bible because the man prayed for 40 days, got filled with the Holy Ghost. God began to give him scriptures that he never studied before. He said when the presence of God came into him, he said it sounded like when he got filled, it sounded like. He said the sound he was hearing, it sounded like a bunch of feathers coming in the womb of wings coming in the room, and he knew scriptures he never studied before. So when he put the Bible together, it breaks down everything, history and everything on the side, but it's alphabetical order. Like you might see an A and a B above a word, and it breaks down the history of why that took place, and it goes more into detail of that verse with the dates annotated Bible. So it stretches your spirit and teaches you a lot. Then you got the John C. Maxwell uh a Bible that deals with particular, it points in on leadership. And if you can Google it up and you look it up, you'll see it. And I mean, man, and the book is incredible. It, it's, it just got a whole outline of leader, what the leader got to do. 
I get that book for me. That ain't for nobody else. I got it because I needed it. I needed to learn what it is to be a leader. First at home, at the job, wherever I go, I needed that book. And I I try to encourage other saints, if you have gotten a tool or something that you use around the house that is real good for you, you share the information with others. You know, you got to share things. Like men like to fix things, so it might be a certain toolbox that's real good. We would share with each other what to buy. With the ladies, it may be a sewing machine that they might want. It might be various things they like might like to do, and they would share that information. So with the Bible, I share it with everybody. These are good books, tools that you can have to build up yourself on your most holy faith. And I don't question God. This is why when I hear people say things and I listen to people talk, if it's on Internet radio or if I encounter people and I hear what they say, it hurts my heart because they didn't really do their really good studying. And then I know already they're in error because these are people who are not saved. But when they share things, why they believe what they believe, and I say to myself, it hurts me because they didn't really study like they were supposed to. They're on the surface of things. When you go and you learn, the Bible explains a lot of things to you. It gives you a clear-cut understanding about things. And a lot of people try to get rid of the Bible. But let me tell you, the archaeologists, when they wanted to find out the truth about history or something, they would go into the Bible and dig where that Bible say to dig at. They found gold. They found diamonds. They found nations. Nation that the people said they never existed, but when they read the Bible, it tells you where the Philistine lived at. The archaeologists went there and dig, and while they were digging, what did they discover? A city. Those people really did live in that time. It's the most accurate book of all time. And a lot of times people bring up about King James. King James ain't got nothing to do with the Bible. He translated it to English, but he didn't write the Bible. He's not the author of the Bible, okay? And I mean, I remember one thing that Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said to them, he said, you do greatly error not knowing the truth. And some people, they're they not just in error. They're in a great error because they refuse to listen to the truth. The Bible is not something that you just read like another book. That's not what it's for. It is the book of all time. You can't read it as a natural man read a natural book. It is a spiritual book. And what God has to do is open up your spirit to understand that book. If you shut your spirit up, you will never understand the Bible. And in the book of 1 John, it says, no man that has the Holy Ghost can call Jesus a curse. You can't. If you got the Holy Ghost in you, you cannot call Jesus a curse. And you cannot confess that he's Lord but by the Holy Ghost. That already let us know you don't have the Holy Ghost in you. He's called the Holy Ghost for a reason. He enlightens us. He teaches us something. But the Holy Ghost can only come if it's a sincere, truly repentant heart. He can't come if one heart is not repentant. If you didn't repent, the Holy Ghost can't come in you and open up your eyes to the marvelous truth because your eyes are darkened. 
And one of the things that the Bible reminded us, if our gospel be hid, it is hid from those who are lost, of whom the God of this world has blinded their eyes. They, they can't really see the truth are not manifested to them. And so these are the things why I, I, I like to read, and especially for our people. We got to come up high, y'all. We got to come up high when it comes to learning God. Because we are losing a lot of our people because they are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I'm not talking about the ones who are in the church. I'm talking about those who have left the church. They grew up in the church, and now they're serving moon stars and all kind of crazy stuff. And you're like, what in the world? What do we know? Well, let me put it like this. In a long time ago, the Egyptians were serving moon gods and all that other stuff like that. But especially when you come to Egypt, Anybody in their right mind know if you read Egypt was the most devil worship place in the world. They worship demons. They wasn't served the true and the living God. The true and the living God wiped them out. He wiped them out. They were serving the sun, the moon, the cow, the cat, the frog, the snake. They was worshiping everything. These Egyptians was devil worship. So I don't read books that came out of Egypt. I'm sorry. I, I know better than that. Common sense. <laughs> okay, that's what it's called. You you don't need a PhD to know that Moses was dealing with demons when he was dealing with. He encountered the true living power for God. But the Egyptian was serving a false God. That's why God said he hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he wiped out all the Egyptians to show everybody the first thing that God told Israel when he got him out of there, in Deut- I think it was Deuteronomy or Numbers, he said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. He's not the frog, not the cat, not the cow, not the moon. I am that I am. Moses said, who the, should I say that sent me? When they asked me, he said, tell them that I am sent you. I am. This is the God that we serve. I am. And when Jesus walked the earth, and he told the Jews, when Abraham saw me, he rejoiced it to see me. And the Jews' response to Jesus was, you're not even 50 years old yet, and you've seen Abraham? Jesus' response to them was, before Abraham was, I am. And he's telling them who he is. <laughs> yet they couldn't see that. They're looking at a man who was 33 years old, but they didn't know he's the son of God. He was there. He said, whatever my father do, I do also. And, I mean, they said, well, how can he be the son and he be God all at the same time? Well, remember when John the Baptist baptized him? The Bible said a dove came like as a dove appeared over his head. And remember when they was on the mountain and when Peter and them woke up and they seen Jesus, Elijah, and Moses, and they said, is it good for us to be here? Let's build three tabernacles. Well, a cloud moved over them. And God the Father spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is daddy talking. Hear ye him. So God the Father already been. This is why we got John 3.16. <laughs> Who blood did Jesus have? He had God the Father's blood in him. He's not just a prophet. He's more than a prophet. He said, no man could take my life. I have power to lay it down and take it back up again. His response was this commandment. 
have I received from my father. He said he came out of the bosom of the father. God sent him to die on the cross. Folks, let me tell you something. Had God came down here, he would have killed everybody. Because God is holy. This is why he told Moses, take off your shoes. I'm on this earth right now. The ground you're standing on is holy ground. You can't, uh-uh, you got to take the shoes off. Inside your feet is every connected to every ligament of your body, all up through every nerve. When you come on the ground flat-footed, all up, God wanted every part of Moses, every part of him. And then he began to tell him who he was. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And I've heard the cry of my people, and I've seen their affliction, and I'm going I'm to send you to go to deliver them. God is all-powerful. I mean, man, God showed out. He said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, and I'm going to wipe them out. And he did it. He wiped. Listen, he opened up the ridge. Listen, man, he bad. He said, listen, oh, stretch forth your rod. The whole sea opened up. This is God the Father, the same God that Jesus was talking about. He said, my father sent me. The prophecy in Isaiah 7, 14 talks about a virgin will conceive a child, a virgin. He couldn't have Joseph's blood in his body. Because Joseph was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. He had to come through a virgin. Because the woman, when she's pregnant, her cycle does not come on. They call it the placenta bag. Her blood goes in the placenta bag. So every child has the blood of his daddy inside of him. It doesn't matter if he's male or female. They have their father's blood. So he came through a virgin blood. He couldn't have Joseph's blood inside of him. Joseph had Adam blood. Adam was born, created by God, not born, created. But when he sinned, all men died through Adam's bloodline. Because every one of us who was born after Adam was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. He didn't have none of that blood inside of him. That's why he took it to the cross. He's the Lamb of God. He took that blood and put it on the cross. And that's where he put all of our sins to the cross. Every year the Jews will offer up a bullock, a lamb, a goat, a sheep to the sin, to put their sins there. And that was their way of atonement for their sin of the year. And so Christ will be the fullest atonement for all mankind. And because Jesus told us, he said, make sure you enter in on the straight gate. He talks about this gate. It's a straight gate. He says, straight is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to righteousness, and few there be that finds it. He's, and broad is the gate and wide is the road. Broad is, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many people was going to go that way because everybody thinking they know God, but they ain't get the Holy Ghost. And all alone, you got angels here. We're not here alone, y'all. You got a lot of angels here watching us. They are the watchers. You got demons here that get in people. The evil that you see, look on your news. Look your time to CNN news. Look at the evil that's out there, what you see on TV. You think that's just happening by chance? These are spirits that's working through the earth of men 
that's causing them to do this. Jesus encountered spirits every day he dealt with demonic forces. Some people, oh, I don't want to talk about demons. I don't want to talk about demons. Go somewhere and sit down. Listen, let me tell you this. If you are born again, you're going to have encounter with demonic forces. You're not Job. God covered Job for a reason like he did. You're going to be hit with different things in your life that you cannot explain. You, you cannot explain. It, this is not about coincidence. What, I forgot what they call that bird that sticks his head in the ground and the rest of his body is sitting up. People who don't understand what this battle is all about, anybody who loves God, you're going to be into some spiritual warfare. Not all the time, but you better believe the devil is not going to forget about you. Oh, that ain't happening. So you are kidding yourself. If you think you're just going to skip through here with roses and flowers and, oh, it don't affect me because I don't like to talk about demons and all that stuff, we don't need to talk about it. But you better know who your enemy is. And if your enemy is the same enemy that fought against Jesus and everybody else, you in for a battle. And if you read, there's a book called God's General. God's General. These people filled with the Holy Ghost. God was using them in the 1900s, tremendously using them. You will find that they had encounters with a lot of principalities of the air. See, the devil don't worry about people who just want to be churchy. You want to be churchy, go ahead. He said, yeah, let them be churchy. You're not a threat to his kingdom. But once you move into the atmosphere that you got the power of God, I'm talking about the real power of God that submerged you, like a Azusa thing took place in the day of Pentecost. You got the power of God flowing through you, not just speaking in tongues. People think speaking in tongues is power. Speaking in tongues out of all the gifts that God has given. Speaking in tongues, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's the only gift that edifies you. But the other nine gifts edify the body of Christ. Rather, interpretation of tongues, that's all of that edifies the body of Christ. You can speak in tongues to the cow come home and the devil be beating you upside your head. You can speak in tongues all you want to. You're only edifying you. But the other gifts edify the body of Christ. If speaking in tongues is the only thing you can show that's being filled with the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Ghost is a character, y'all. Not just some gift. It, it, deals, it, it, it is a gift. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it, it gives you the ability to do things. But more importantly, the fruit should just emanate from there. The fruit. The fruit. I never want to know God from a head point. I, I got to press beyond that. I want to know him with the power. And I'm not talking about like some people is caught up in the gift. They just caught up in the gift. I want to know him in the power of who he is as God the Father, not just the gifts. Because the gifts and the callings without repentance. When the disciples were excited about casting out devils, Jesus had to check them. He said, don't rejoice because the spirit is subjected to you through my name, but rather rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You're going to have a gift and still won't make it into God's kingdom. So it's not the gift that validates you. It is the character of God. And so I just wanted to say that. And uh, if anyone else would like to say anything, Ron or Cooley, you guys would say, any, say something. I, I just I thank God for his word. 
And, again, saints, I want to see the people of God get built up. That's what it's all about. Get into your word. Learn about God. He said, take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul, the resting place of God. I am not pushing towards God for a higher title. I don't care about all that stuff, man. To me, I'm trying to get away from a lot of that stuff. Honestly, guys, I'm telling you, I care about the people of God, the people of God. And I think what disturbs me the more is seeing the immaturity of older saints. That's what bothers me a great deal. And uh, I think that bothered Jesus a lot, too. That's why he had a problem with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He had a big problem with them. He didn't have a problem with sinners. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He loved it, the sinners. But those Pharisees and scribes, boy, they was a piece of work, brother. I'm telling you, they knew the law, but they did not like the people. And so that's one of the things that we must always remember Love the people of God, the people of God. Love the sinners. When you see sinners, whatever you can do to talk into their life, speak into their life. Um, and and, and why I'm on this confession thing, another thing that bothers me is the spirit of pride. When you see pride, man, pride is an ugly spirit. It's an ugly spirit when you see it on people. And you just got to listen. Sometimes you can hear it when they're talking. It rises up in them, and sometimes you can see it on them. But in my case, and most time, I hear it. I hear it, and when I hear it, I say, "God help us, <laughs> God help us." So I just wanted to say those few things with you. Notice that you're more important to God than you think you are. You're very important, and no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. God made you. He created you. He allowed you to be born through your mom and your daddy's DNA for a time such as this. And he had need of you. He desired to use you. So as you walk this walk in this life and as God is raising you up for a time such as this, don't let no man despise your youth. Don't let nobody put their foot on your neck. And don't let people bring up your past and try to use that as a cloak to hold you down. You're fearfully and wonderfully made in God. I don't care what you've done and how long you've been doing it. Notice that when you go to daddy, he washes all of that away. He cleanses you. He has a plan on you. No one can tell you your heart. You know your heart. The Bible says the heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not intermingle with it. God says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, knows your heart. He's the one that knows your heart. Nobody else knows your heart. I don't care how gifted they are. They can have the word of knowledge. They can have the word of wisdom. They can have the gift of prophecy. Nobody knows your heart better than you do, and the Lord would know your heart. But nobody. Sometimes God will show men certain things, but he don't show them your whole heart. He don't do that. God doesn't do that. So, I encourage you, go back to the manufacturer. The manufacturer is God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they're the ones. God said, a new spirit also will I give you. 
he cleans you up and changes you. He changes your continence, your character of who you is. Go back to God and let him fix you. He is the manufacturer. Let him fix you up what you need to be in this hour. And I guarantee you, when he work on you through the word and he begin to remind you who you are, you're going to weep before God because he always loved you. He loved you. That's why you didn't die and other people died. That's why you didn't get killed in the car accident and you lived. That's why other people got killed and things happened. You know, they got sick and died. You're still here because he had a work for you to do. And you're not going to die but live and declare the glory of God. So I just wanted to say that to everybody. We love you. If any of my friends out there, uh, Deborah A. or Ron or Cooley, if you brothers want to say anything, or anyone else would like to say something, just put star eight and come on in and talk with us if you would like to say something before we bring it in on a close. So. If you're there, you're free to talk whenever you want to. Just push star eight or just say whatever you like to say before we close it in. Uh, I've learned something, say, um, that I can't put everything in my spirit. I don't just go walking down the street picking up bottles of water and drinking it and didn't know where it come from. That's what it's like when you believe everything somebody say in your ear. You got to protect your ears. You can't let your ears hear everything that's not true. Because the Bible said in the book of Judges, and every man done that which is right in his own eyes. The word of God said there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. It may seem right to people, but it's the way of death. God gave us an outline. He's too intelligent to leave us ignorant and not make it in. He gave us an outline of what we must do to get into his kingdom. And we got to capitalize on it and move into that place that God is calling you to in this life, at this time of your life. But he cares about you. And the Bible says, and every man that strives for mastery is not crowned except he strive lawfully. There is a lawful way to do things to enter into God's kingdom. You just can't be anybody and do anything and serve any God there is only one way to get to God. Heaven is made by Jesus Christ. He's the one that said, I go to prepare a place for you, and where I go, I will come back again and receive you unto my own. He made heaven, not the devil. The devil didn't make no heaven. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he's the king of heaven. And the only people who go to heaven is those who believe on Jesus you can worship anything else you want to, but you ain't going to make it into heaven. I'm telling you now, you ain't going to heaven. If you want to get to heaven, you got to go through Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Is there anyone else out there? I'm going to say the sinner's man prayer. And if you hear me underneath the sound of my voice, and you would like to repeat after me, you can repeat this prayer after me. And God will be with you. Repeat after me. Say, oh, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Wash me and cleanse me in the blood of the Lamb. 
Create me a clean heart. Renew within me the right spirit and write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Holy Spirit, come into my heart and become Lord and Master and Savior of my soul. This day, I acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. This day, I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I do want to let everybody know, just a reminder again, um, October the 27th to uh, September the 27th to October the 1st, we will be having a men's conference at Deliverance Evangelistic Church, 2001 West Lehigh Street. Uh, we're going to kick it off on a Wednesday, and uh, it's going to end on October the 1st. It's a men's conference. Women and men is invited. Please come out, support, come and be a part of it. Uh, yours truly going to be sharing the word on Wednesday. I'm going to be kicking it off at 6 p.m. on the 27th. And my the topic of the theme for this year is moving into the overflow. So we're going to be there. We're going to be having prayer. The word going to go forth. It's going to be a high time. And, God, please come out and enjoy it with us. Be a part of it. You will be blessed, I promise you. It will be a blessing. So tell your friends and your family, tell all your family and friends, come on out and support us and be there with us. We'd love to see you. We're going to be there next week as God have his way. Uh, We are in the fast at this time, and we're going to go forth because we want to see God's people get built up. Amen? God bless you all. I want to close out in prayer, and I'm out. God bless. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all what you've done and what you've done today for the people who called in, those who was listening in. Build up your people. Continue to strengthen them like never before. Bless them until we come again. This is Word of Fire Ministry. We pray for the hearts of their people of God will be changed and converted to your purpose and to the perfect man. Break down every stronghold and every principality. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Peace, God bless, I'm out. All right, people, um, I'm glad you tuned in to Word of Fire. It's Minister Calvin Myers, and again, we would love for you to tune in in two weeks. And tomorrow we have Mike Test Live at 5. Tonight on On Point Radio, we have Lady T. She'll be going at it again. And I don't know what to tell y'all, but I hope y'all receive the message because it definitely was something to talk about. Here at Sound City Radio, we always about freedom of speech, freedom to grow, and freedom to learn to know. All we ask you to do is be real, be safe, and be ready. If you got any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me at DJ underscore chill at my.com. That's DJ underscore chill at my. Now, you already know, when I say out, it means obviously you talk, 
But I always add that twist on there, and I say, who's out? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.